You know, the past few days in Johannesburg, I was giving talks. Most of the theme was how to retain the blessings you gained in Ramadan. And I got a very interesting message from somebody today, very far away from this country. Nobody even listening anywhere will be able to guess who it was who sent me that message. But it was a deep message. And the message said, Dear Sheikh, all your talks are talking about this. That we have to retain what we got in Ramadan, we have to continue in our ibadat after Ramadan, we have to build upon that after Ramadan, we have to focus on our akhlaq after Ramadan. But I can't connect with any of those talks. Why? Because actually I didn't really get anything out of my Ramadan. Hmm? I can't connect with anything that you're saying. And in fact, listening to you is making me think I'm even worse than I thought I was. Because you're making it sound like everybody has to move on and move further and keep on going after Ramadan. And I'm realizing I didn't get anything out of Ramadan. Allah Akbar. Now moving beyond that message, I'm going to run with this. Hmm? So maybe made me realize that yes. Yes. There will be a lot of people like that. Hmm? A lot of people who failed to take what they could have out of Ramadan. But I thought, and I dress that person, and I dress anybody else in such a situation, and actually all of us, that even Allah SWT giving you this realization, even the ability to write this, that I did not get anything out of Ramadan, means you got something out of Ramadan. Yeah? Alhamdulillah. Is you realize that something could have been obtained and you didn't obtain it, that itself is a big blessing in our deen. Hmm? This is what we call ihsas. It's called an understanding to be sensitive. Hmm? You know, like if somebody says, okay, I'm going to close down North Beach, Musalla or Masjid or whatever the status is now, for 30 days for renovation. Hmm? And 30 days I'm going to renovate the whole place, it's going to be just right. And then open it on one shawal, and you people come in, and the carpet is ripped here, and there are all types of spots on the wall, and you'd say, what happened? There was supposed to be 30 days renovation, and 30 days should have been enough for that person to have fixed every single thing. What's the matter? Hmm? Well, just like that, Allah SWT gave us 30 days, month of Ramadan for renovation. Hmm? But yes, a lot of us will find, in fact, I think every one of us will find ourselves, so the person who wrote that message is not alone, they're not unique. Every one of us, if we walk in here with a proper critical eye scrutinizing, and I told you we found it like that, you'd be upset that it wasn't renovated. 
to anybody who looks at themselves, not just that person, any one of us here, myself, you, all of us, if we look at ourselves with an examining eye, we'll see what happened. There's a lot of things that should have been fixed in Ramadan that didn't get fixed. That's a separate thing, that maybe we even fixed some things and we slipped, maybe we even got better and we lost it, but there's so much that we failed to do. But this itself is a mercy from Allah SWT. This itself is a hidayah from Allah SWT. And many times it actually happens on the path of coming closer to Allah SWT. And by the way, by that I'm not suggesting some hardcore Sufi tariqat path. Every single mu'min is on a path to come closer to Allah SWT. Every believer is on as-sirat, as-sirat al-mustaqeem, ihdin as-sirat al-mustaqeem. Our deen is called as-sirat al-mustaqeem. That's our deen. It's a path, it's a constant process, it's a journey towards Allah SWT. Now one of the best things about a journey is to keep constant track of how much left, how many miles there are left to go. If you ever travel with children in a car, you will know this. That they will keep asking you how much farther, how much farther, that much farther, so much more left to go. But at least that means they're conscious travelers. Those of us who travel by plane, so the only screen in the whole 100 billion channels that is okay is that screen which shows the map and says how much time and how many miles are left to go. Hmm? So somebody even realizes this after Ramadan, that there's a lot more left to go. If you ask me, I think they succeeded in Ramadan. Hmm? Because that's what actually Ramadan, it could come for many reasons, but for many of us, the month of Ramadan came to create a talab inside us that we want more. And you know, if somebody thought they succeeded in Ramadan, and if somebody thinks they got everything they could, then they'll stop wanting more. They'll lose the talab. Like if you walked in and this place was completely perfectly renovated, but you'd be fine then. You say, it's perfect, it's done, there's no need for any further improvement. The 30 days renovation is complete. And all of you know when it comes to deen, there is room, always room for further improvement. Always room for further improvement. Hmm? Now it might even be, and I'll tell you sometimes, this also happens on the path coming closer to Allah subhanahu Sometimes Allah subhanahu deliberately, Allah subhanahu from His hidayah, everything Allah does is deliberate, Allah subhanahu is part of His hidayah, He actually makes us slip and fall and falter, actually fail only in, in order to bring about a greater success out of that failure. Hmm? I think it's quite possible that that person who wrote that message, just that acknowledgement of a failure, might mean that they may actually move on to a greater success. Hmm? This happens many times. Even I'll tell you, this also happens. That sometimes Allah found out of His Hidayah, actually, because what's failure in our deen is sin, actually makes a person fall into sin, so that when they pull themselves out from that sin and they make tawbah from that sin, they will come out a stronger and better person. 
I'll tell you, this also happens on this path, that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a person fall into sin to protect them from the greater sin of arrogance and self-conceit, ujub and kibber and takumber. Because if they went on that path of ujub, kibber and takumber, you know what happened to Iblis? Hmm? Iblis had the most ibadah out of all the jinn. Iblis had the best yaqeen out of all the jinn. He sees Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he hears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can think like this, Iblis was the greatest awliyaullah of the jinn. That's who he was? Once upon a time? But he fell into one sin basically. Is he got to realize that about himself? He fell into ujjub. He had a sense of self-awareness of his great status. And he got pride and vanity and conceit and arrogance because of that. And that led him so deep that he decided to disobey Allah SWT. So sometimes Allah SWT even it's part of his hidayah. Although at that moment obviously we won't feel that we're being guided because we fell and slipped into a sin. But the sin is a process because then the person number one will realize I'm not so holy. Even right now it happens to people in Shawwal. There will be some people, so now moving on from that message, there will be some people who spent a wonderful Ramadan. There will be some people who say, oh, I did excellent in Ramadan. Not only did I fast, but I read so many Quran khatams, and I made so many zikr to Allah I made so many du'as to Allah Oh, I was up every night and every one of the odd nights that guaranteed I would have got little together. Etc, etc, etc. And then there's a danger. Hmm? And this is our condition. That when we get even a slight sense of accomplishment and achievement in deen, sometimes, as we say, it gets to our head. So sometimes as Hidayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, make that person do their first sin. Hmm? The first sin after Ramadan. This will happen to everybody sooner or later. For some people it's already happened. For some people it's going to happen in this month. And some people, mashallah, it might not happen for some time. The first sin after Ramadan. Allahu Akbar Kabeera. Although Ramadan came, لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّكُونَ Or to make us muttaki, people who don't sin anymore. But there's an actually, Allah Ta'ala is saving us from a greater sin, which is that conceit. Another way you can look at this, is sometimes a person loses their talab, loses their passion, their drive, their motivation for deen. But sometimes, because most of us became to deen from a sinning background, and the real thing that motivated us was leaving sin. Hmm? That was our real source of motivation. Now, mashallah, if you stop sinning, then you can't have this motivation anymore, that you need to turn to Allah Ta'ala and become closer to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala because you need to leave sin, because you've already left sin. Hmm? So sometimes, sometimes Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala makes the person fall into sin in order to bring them back to that motivation. I should be very clear, I think I should pause because I don't want to overdo it. This is, all of these things are some of the time. Otherwise, many times, most of the time, a person falls into sin due to their own nafs. Not because Allah SWT is guiding them through that. Most people fall into sin because of the whisperings of shaitan. Most people fall into sin because of their own lust, or their own anger, or their own greed. But some of the time, some of the time, it happens as a hidayah from Allah SWT. Now the thing is, 
that me and you won't always necessarily know why we did the sin. But what we can do is okay, even we will think about ourselves that I fell into the sin because of my nafs, because of my lust, because of my anger, because of my weakness. But what I will do is now that I've done the sin, I will pick myself up and behave and act exactly in the same manner as that person whom Allah Ta'ala makes some sin out of his hidayah. Which is what? I will pick myself up and make such a true tawbah and again have talab and desire for more indeed that I will turn out to be better than I was before I did this sin. You know, I may not be the person who did the sin because of Allah Ta'ala's hidayah, I did it because of my own nafs. But I'll follow the same path that that person does, so I end up on the same destination that they end up on. So yes, and actually it's true for every one of us. Nobody can say we did everything we could in Ramadan. Nobody can say that. In fact, most of us, even, even if you stayed up the whole night, the first realization that should have happened to you, the second Fajr started, that very Fajr from the very night you were awake, should have been that, oh, I could have made this du'a, oh, I forgot to make this du'a, oh, I forgot to send salawat to Nabiya Kareem Wasallam. oh, I forgot to make du'a for my wife, my name. Hmm? There would be so many things. Hmm? And this is Allah Subhanahu wa describes. The people in Quran al-Kareem, Sahabah Ikram radiallahu, in the first instance, Sahabah Ikram radiallahu ta'ala anwajmain who spend the night in worship. Basically, by the end of it, they start making istighfar, they say, seeking Allah subhanahu forgiveness. Due to the inadequacy of their ibadah. And that's an ajeeb sunnah, a strange, wondrous sunnah of Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi sallam. That whenever he completed a major amal, major ibadah, he would seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm sure most of you know that it's sunnah that if you say salam and you exit your salah, you say Allahu Akbar one more time. If you think about that, that's also, but let me just pause on that as an aside. How many times did Allahu Akbar already take place in the salah? First the Muazzin said it so many times, then in Iqamah it was said so many times, then we said it to begin our salah, then we said it every time we wanted to move, I mean other than Samila and Hamidah, every time we wanted to move, we said it so many times inside the salah. Hmm? And then we said salam, we exited the salah, and now it's sunnah, fard, it's sunnah to say Allah Akbar again. And you know what? It's sunnah to say it slightly loudly. And many times, actually, this is louder than the Allah, any other Allah Akbar you said in Salah. And every other time you say Allah Akbar from the first one to when you move, it's an either inaudible whisper that you, or a whisper that you yourself can hear. But the Sunnah is that when you say that extra Allah Akbar after Salah, it's slightly loud means that left and right person can hear. That much, not very loud. Hmm? But it's louder than every other Allah Akbar in Salah. Ajeeb, why? Because the ujub has to be broken. Allah Akbar. Ujub, you understand the, the feeling, the, 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 the risk and danger that even one salah makes me think highly of myself, that has to be broken. To proclaim it to yourself, proclaim it even louder than you said salam, proclaim it with a little bit of sound, a little bit of voice, a little bit of volume, so that it's clear. That what? Allahu Akbar? Allah Ta'ala is greater than the Salah I offered. Allah Ta'ala is greater than the Ramadan we offered Him. Allah Ta'ala is greater than the Taraweeh we prayed. Allah Ta'ala is greater than the fast that we did. 
Allah Ta'ala is greater than all night worships we did seeking the Ilk al-Qadr. Allahu Akbar. Ajeeb. And then, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would say, Astaghfirullah three times. Ajeeb. So first, Allahu Akbar to negate any sense of attainment, achievement, accomplishment, pride. And then on top of that, to seek Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness three times. Normally, our uncle says that okay, you seek Allah's forgiveness when you do something wrong. Right? You seek Allah's forgiveness when you do a sin. You don't seek Allah's forgiveness when you pray salah. That was an act of obedience. Prophet himself. And then who are we after that? Three times. Not even once. Three times. Allah Akbar. Astaghfirullah. 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 Now when you come back, humble yourself, now you raise your hand because now I bring in another hadith. The Nabi Akrim Sallallahu said that after the mandatory fard salah, it's a moment of acceptance of dua. So you combine this, the acceptance of dua after fard salah, but after you said Allahu Akbar and Astaghfirullah three times. So by saying Allahu Akbar and Astaghfirullah three times, you became the humble, penitent slave of Allah Ta'ala. Now raise your hands and your will be accepted. I guess I just remember something, although it's not really, but because I remembered it, I'll share it with you, because I must have remembered it to share it with you, but you might find it as an aside. So once I was sitting with Sheikh Malam Kamran Zamansa, and he was telling an imam, a person who leads salah, that when you make dua, after, and first there was a discussion, should you even make a collective dua after fard salah? They said, when you make dua after fard salah, then you should be silent for some time. And he said, why? He said, you should be silent because it's a time of acceptance of dua, and if you stay silent, every single muqtadi behind you will get a chance to make whatever dua they need. And you won't know all the duas that they need, what's going on in their life, what their problems are. You won't be able to make all those duas for them. So you make a short dua, and then you stay silent for about one minute, and then you say, Amin. And in that minute, every muqtadi will make whatever dua he needs, and then that dua will be accepted from him, because that is the dua after the first salah. I was amazed at, look at the fikr that these mashayikh have, and they're trying to train the aima. The imams have such a fikr. And it's true, right? How many, you know, there may be somebody in the first row who, his dua is that Allah Ta'ala, you know, forgive me for the sin I did last night. There might be somebody in the second row whose dua is Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, my daughter is having a tough time in marriage. Ya Rabbi Kareem, please give her happy married life. There might be someone in the third row making dua. Ya Allah, my daughter is not yet to be married. Ya Allah, send a pious, honorable spouse for her. There might be someone in the fourth row who wants to make dua. Allah Ta'ala, you know, I'm suffering from debt. Allah Ta'ala, make it easy for me. Oh, there can be so many different duas, right? And you just look in how many people you are. Everyone would have their own deep urge, need dua. There's no one imam could make all those duas. So if you remain silent and everybody will make dua, whatever they need. I was actually thinking, because when I was listening, I was just, because I'm, I'm not an imam, but I was listening to that conversation, I thought that this should be like, this should be printed and disseminated and all imams should do this and all muktadi should be told that in that one minute golden period of silence, you should make any and every dua that you can. And then maybe, maybe, not necessarily, but maybe, Allah may even grant everybody's dua to everybody else in that congregation. 
And then when you have teachings like that, then you will feel ittihad and ittifaq and unity. You'll feel like a team of people. So North Beach team making dua to Allah Ta'ala. What does this team do? This team makes sajda to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And this team says Allahu Akbar after salah. And this team says istighfar three times. And this team makes dua together at that makbul time. So here, like I told you, that was an aside. But I'm saying that this is saint now. There's no sunnah like that, that after Ramadan ends, you say Allahu Akbar and say istighfar three times. But many times the Prophet of sunnahs are training us in a mentality. After every fard ibadah, be that salah, be that hajj, be that when you pay your zakat, be that when you fast in Ramadan, this should be your consciousness. That Allah Ta'ala is greater than this ibadah that I offered. And even after offering this ibadah, my nafs is still so thick, still so stubborn, I still have to seek forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala. That can be one need to make. Why do we say istakfirullah after salah? Because I seek your forgiveness that after praying the salah, the salah still did not make a big enough dent in me that it could not finish my nafs once and for all. I seek your forgiveness for not praying a salah like that. Because that's in Quran. Inna salata tanha anil khasha'iwul munka. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, inna as-salah. Indeed, the salah. So the ulama of tafsir mentioned what it means here is that indeed, the properly prayed salah has such a power and potential in it. Tanha anil khasha'iwul munka. That it completely stops a person from doing every lewd, crude, immodest, shameless betrayal of their chastity and modesty. Well, munkar, and it stops them from doing things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has rejected, repudiated, forbidden to us. We say, you can make that niyat. I say, astaghfirullah three times because I didn't pray salah like that. I can still feel the nafs inside me. So, Ramadan, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in Quran? La'allakum tattakul. So that you get taqwa. So, if you find in shawal, I'm not muttaki yet. Astaghfirullah. That I seek your forgiveness for having spent an entire month of Ramadan where I failed to get the mission and the goal that you wanted me to get. I failed to become the Allahum Tattaku. I didn't realize that in Ramadan, because in Ramadan apparently I was actually with the key. I was obeying you by fasting and I was doing extra worship in the night. But after Ramadan ended, I realized I didn't get it. So if you ask me, it's a wonderful thing to think like that, that I did not get it from Ramadan. As long as this type of thinking doesn't make a person sad and depressed and lose hope and become disheartened. No. As long as it makes them think, I have more. More work to do. More work left. Hmm? And you know, the, the renovations of our heart, uh, obviously they last more than one month. You have to keep renovating all the time until you enter the grave. Hmm? Until mot, until the angel takes your ruh. There's no other way, there's no completion. There's no completion certificate, certificate of completion. Hmm? The kalb is ready. Hmm? Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give that. Allah ta'ala gives that, He mentioned that in Quran. Allah ta'ala gives a certificate of completion. Hmm? You can't give it to yourself. Allah ta'ala said that also in Quran. Do not declare yourself that you should not declare yourself to be pure. Hmm? Do not view yourself. Never think you have attained that certificate. Some of our old friends are thinking, you know, he doesn't reply to our messages like that. 
Sometimes somebody messages you something like that, you should give a whole bayan on it. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said in Quran, وَمَا قَدْرَ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ Initially, that verse was about a particular type of person, but the Mufassirun say that there's umum, that there's gen- generality, umum fil ma'na, that every verse of Quran has a more general, broad, universal, eternal meaning, beyond just its specific context of revelation. Hmm? But you know the specific context, when that verse was revealed, there was a sahabi who left his house and he took out his sword. <laughs> they started walking around and saying, Who is it? Who has not done qadr of my Allah Ta'ala? Due to which Allah Ta'ala had to reveal this verse to my beloved Nabi Akrim Sallallahu some sahabi were like that. Shukr me and you weren't alive right then. Oh, because what if it was you? You would have people like us. Hmm? That we don't value and appreciate and we're not grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as is His right and His due and as befits Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hmm? So one thing is offering Ramadan, offering the fast in Ramadan. One thing is doing Qadr Ramadan. Alright? Now, if we think that we didn't do Qadr Ramadan, there's something else we can do Qadr. Something else we can be grateful and appreciative of. What? Whatever little Allah SWT enabled us to do, we can do qadr of that. For example, I know for sure that the person who sent the message fasted. They did all the fast. Do qadr of that, honor that. Otherwise, if Allah SWT hadn't given us the hidayah and tawfiq to do that, there's no shortage of believers who don't fast in Ramadan. There are millions, millions of Muslims who would not have fasted in Ramadan. Al-Aman al-Afiz, Allah Ta'ala give them hidayah. We're not better than them. It's like there's something extra good in us and therefore we weren't allowed to fast and there's something bad in them therefore they weren't given the guidance to fast. In fact, probably anything you could even technically identify in them as bad, you'll find all of that in ourselves also. Hmm? And anything you might think is good about you, you'd be surprised they have a lot of good in them also. Hmm? This is only your karam and fazl. 30 commands and I had 30 ticks. Otherwise, that's not even my track record. Normally, we don't even bat 30 out of 30. How many 30 out of 30 fajr, how many fajr do people make? Out of 30 opportunities or occasions to lower the gaze, how many times do you lower the gaze? Hmm? It's very rare that we go 30 for 30. This was a special gift that Osmanta gave us in Ramadan. How many times when you get angry did you swallow your anger? And the last 30 times when you felt angry, all 30 times did you swallow your anger? No way. The last 30 times you happened to see a beautiful woman, all 30 out of 30 times you erased it entirely from your mind instantly? No way. But Ramadan, alhamdulillah, 30 out of 30. Subhanallah. With no cheating. No cheating. No slipping. Not even one minute, not even one second. Allah Akbar Kabira. You tell somebody who's fasting, you break it one second early, he'll say, no. Allah Akbar. Can you imagine if we were like that? That I won't even take a one second glance. Nay someday. I won't even take a one rand tip. I won't tip myself one rand. So I'll use soft words on you. I won't tip myself one rand. So the level, even just the fast, even if you did nothing else. And if on top of that, 
If you just fasted and just prayed to the way, so I had a second thing. When did that ever happen? <laughs> when did it ever happen that 30 nights consecutively we offered optional prayers? Strictly speaking, not fun. Never happened in our life. <laughs> Never. Maybe okay if somebody went on Hajj for 30 days or Umrah for 30 days, it might have happened. Otherwise, it never happened. Hmm? 30 out of 30. Alhamdulillah. Great hidayah from Allah SWT. So we should not underestimate how much Allah Ta'ala gave us in Ramadan. Yes, sometimes we might look at someone and say, Oh, mashallah, you know, they got to sit in itikaf and I was busy at work. Oh, mashallah, this person there said they did three khatams of Quran and I even just recited half. You'll see things like that and you should feel that. But don't undervalue just the act of fasting and if you pray to Raviyah, the act of praying to Raviyah itself. Hmm? So here, now Ramadan was about one thing then if I take the basic value which is called talab. We wanted more. Therefore we obeyed Allah Ta'ala more. Therefore everybody prayed to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala more. We recited Quran more. We made dua more. Ramadan as its essence was about more. And when it comes to us the sinners, we wanted more of Allah's mercy and more of His forgiveness. Hmm? And more importantly, we tried more. We tried more. We, even you will find people that all year round they never even once made tawbah for that sin. They didn't. But Ramadan came, they started making tawbah. So they wanted more, they tried more. So we should have yakin that indeed Allah subhanahu ta'ala gave us more. We should have indeed yakin that Allah SWT gave us more. So in Arabic this is called talab. Arabic, Urdu, Persian, this is called talab. So there was a shaykh, his name was Shaykh Khwaja Muhammad Masoom Rehmullah Ta'ala. Big Naqshimaddi Mujizadi Shaykh. Son of Shaykh Ahmed Sir Hindi Rehmullah Ta'ala. So he said a beautiful thing. He said that if Allah SWT ever puts in your heart talab for something in deen, if Allah Ta'ala ever puts in your heart a desire, a wish, a hope for something in deen, it's a sign that Allah Ta'ala Himself from His karam and fuzzle wants to grant you that blessing in deen. It's a sign that He first makes the irada to grant you that ni'mah. He first makes the will and wish to grant you that blessing in deen. And after that He puts in your heart a desire to strive and make dua for that blessing in deen. Just like that some other Mashaik they used to say that if Allah Taala gives you tawfiq gives you tawfiq yani ability to actually do something talab is just to want to do it tawfiq is to actually do it okay so then a question sometimes people would ask that okay I did it I don't know if Allah Taala accepted it I have the amal but I don't know if the amal is maqbool hmm? I did the act, but I don't know if Allah SWT accepted it. So one shaykh, he said, that the very reality, in fact, that Allah SWT gave you tawfiq to do that amal, means that Allah SWT wanted to kabul and accept that amal from you. So again, the same thing, that first Allah SWT makes irada of kabuliyat of amal, and after, Allah, after that Allah SWT gives you tawfiq to do that amal. Allahu Akbar. It's like what in, in your modern day commerce you call 
pre-approved application. Huh? Pre-approved. Hmm? So you get letter in the mail trying to get you involved in all types of more schemes. Hmm? Pre-approved. Hmm? And one sheikh he said, Ibn al-Iskandri that if you make dua to Allah Taala, if you make dua to Allah Taala, so Allah Taala is the one who inspired you to make dua to Him before He inspired you or put in your heart that wish to pray to Him. Allah Taala already decided to grant you the dua that you were going to ask. Now, with an Allah like that, Allah that's what I'm saying. There's only one and only Allah but it's important that we know He's like that. We need to know His sifat. We need to know His attributes. We need to know the way He interrelates with us. It's not enough only for Iman, it's enough to know Allah exists and He is one. But then to proceed in your iman and to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to know also His sifat and His attributes. In other words, you have to know Allah ta'ala as He has revealed Himself to be in Quran. You have to know Allah ta'ala as He wishes to be known. And that's a big problem also. I also pause a little bit on this. Because there's a lot of people. And we can successfully teach our youth that Allah ta'ala exists. But we still don't teach Him who He is. So if the only thing child knows is Allah Ta'ala exists and he still doesn't fully understand who Allah Ta'ala is, then still the iman is fragile. And sometimes when they end up in university or studying science or philosophy, they will give up on Allah Ta'ala. They will leave Allah Ta'ala. Why? Nobody told them that Allah Ta'ala existed? No, they, they were told Allah Ta'ala existed. They never believed that Allah Ta'ala existed? No, they did believe. They renounced the belief. They had belief in the existence of Allah Ta'ala. So what didn't they have? What was missing? They knew Allah Ta'ala existed, but they didn't know who He was. If you ask them, tell me about 10, 15, forget 99, even 15, 20, they wouldn't be able to do it. Whatever names they told you, you said, okay, explain to me the attributes that describe Allah Ta'ala. What does it mean? What's the difference between being Al-Ghafoor and Al-Ghafar? Explain it to me. What's the difference between being Al-Rahman and Rahim? Explain it to me. They wouldn't they didn't understand it. So our iman is not properly deep until we fully truly know all of Allah Ta'ala's sifat and all of the things Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala said about Himself in Quran Al-Kareem. Once upon a time we have in the past in this area, not maybe this masjid, but generally in Durban and Natal giving you beyond on those topics. These are ways Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala described Himself in Quran. We have to understand what those things mean. Hmm? So one aspect of that, and that's why, you know, these little nuggets that these Mashaikh understand, it's not, they don't get this understanding directly. First, first they understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of the entire revelation of Qur'an. Then they have to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of all of the explanation in the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when they have this deep understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as He revealed Himself to be, which is called ma'rifat, then sometimes Allah Ta'ala inspires them with some nugget like this. Nukta we call it. Marafat you can call it. It doesn't come without this core base. Alright? So here, in the month of Ramadan, we had this talab. Hmm? Now, when you see talab, there are stages to that. One is before the act. 
So before Ramadan there was an anticipation. I'll give you an example of Hajj. So before a person even leaves for Hajj or performs Hajj, once they get the Hajj visa, the talab starts. There's a certain restlessness waiting for the journey. There's a certain thrill and excitement about the journey. So that's the type of talab that takes place before the act. Then when they actually go for Hajj, they have to have talab during the entire act. So they're so excited to go to Mina. Then they get so excited and have so much thrill and desire when they go to Arafat, etc., etc. So throughout the act, talab. Before the act, talab. Throughout the act, talab. And then after the act is completed, you still have to have talab. Still have to have talab. So now we are in that stage, right? We're not in the last few days before Ramadan that we're excited that Ramadan is coming. We don't have the excitement that is felt during Ramadan because Ramadan has ended. But now that Ramadan is over, we are after Ramadan. The talab now is precisely that. To retain whatever little we might have gotten in Ramadan and to understand that the mission continues and we have to keep wanting more. This feeling is what some people lose in Shawwal. In other words, in Shawwal we've seen that some people lose their talab. Even for small things, even for the smallest things. Even for single things, we call small things, even for single a'mal. For example, in Quran in Ramadan, they had a talab to read Quran. Maybe just because they set a target for themselves, they have to do one khatam. So sometimes you find somebody, like on 25th Ramadan, and they had set a target that they complete recitation of one Quran. But they have 10 Jews left. For whatever reason, they weren't able to go according to pace, they have 10 Jews left. Now what is it? It's supposed to be talab for Allah subhanahu ta'ala. And that is there also. But there's also talab to complete their particular target that, listen very carefully, talab to complete the particular target that they set for themselves. That they set for themselves. So in order to do that, they've got to be two jews a day because there are five days left. Maybe they're more intelligent thinking, what if Ramadan ends on 29th? Then only have four days left. So they start reading two and a half jews a day. This is a person who's never ever read more than one juz a single day of their entire life. Yes? In their entire life, they've never read more than one juz a day. But because they have talab, they have a desire to fulfill this goal that they set for themselves. They start reading two and a half juz for the last four days. This is Allah showing. I mean, this exact example wouldn't have happened to every one of us, but something like this happened. Hmm? Maybe you went to sleep on the night of the 27th, thinking you'd get up two hours before, and you would have suhoor, you'd pray salatul tasbih, you'd do this, that, but you ended up getting up only one hour before. But you had talib that, no, I made niyat, I'm going to do these things. So maybe you gave up your suhoor that day. You say, no, I've got to, I mean, you don't have to pray salatul tasbih. This is just something you set for yourself. But if he has talab, executes. So there are several points I wanted to illustrate using this example. The first thing is, remember I made you, I said, listen clearly, that a target that they set for themselves, this is a good thing. This worked for us in Ramadan. These little ideas we had, mental plans we had. This is what kept us going. So this type of technique has to continue after Ramadan. And if you can, if you can benefit from a target that you set for yourself, believe me, you can benefit from a target that a sheikh sets for you. 
these things help. <laughs> it helps to have a plan of action. It helps to have certain targets. It keeps you motivated, it keeps you going, it keeps your talab. Hmm? Second, if you should reflect on, take any one of these examples, in your own life, in your own heart, and compare your talab now. So at that time your talab was so high, you read two Jews plus, and now you don't even feel like reciting Quran. Now so many days of shawal have gone, you haven't even touched Quran al Kareem. So what does that mean? Was your talab for Allah Ta'ala? Was your talab for some other god called Ramadan? What was your talab for? Hmm? Where did it go? <laughs> How can you get it back? These are the type of things to think about. These are the type of things to think about. I'll, then I just remember another thing I'll share with you. So, Sheikh Malakam Zaman Sahib, he said that naturally in Ramadan, you will get feelings. And especially you will get these feelings on the last odd nights. And if you happen to think that this might be Layl together, then you will make dua to Allah Taala with a lot of feeling, with a lot of passion, with a lot of yearning. Now, that Layl together will go away. Right? Because that's guaranteed to be in Ramadan. But you reach those feelings, you touch those feelings, you can still get those feelings. In other words, simply speaking, what he said is that the same feelings with which you turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in ibadah or tawbah or dua on a night that you think is Layl together, you can turn to Allah ta'ala with the same feelings of love and forgiveness any day and any night of the year. And one thing that happens in Ramadan is a person is taken to this height of feeling, whether that's a feeling of toba, whether it's a feeling of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so many different feelings. You shouldn't drop those feelings just because it's no longer Ramadan. In fact, rather we should think that if Ramadan elevated me and I was able to feel this feeling, I want to feel this feeling every night. That's a separate thing that every night is not Layl together, but I want to feel this feeling for Allah every night. I don't want to lose these feelings. Because it was Layl together, I cried over my sin, but I want to cry over my sin any other day or any other night. I also observed that a lot of people in South Africa, they prefer to fast the six fasts of Shawal immediately. In fact, there was one person, but not in the city, so I can pick on them a little bit. <laughs> so I happened to meet them on uh, seventh Shawal. And they said, today is my second Eid. <laughs> second Eid. So what was that? That first Shawal was Eid for Ramadan. And seventh Shawal was Eid, the end of the day he completed his sixth fast of Six fasts of Shawal. So again, right, this was this mission to get it done with. We normally tell our friends, and this just there are different views on ulama about fasting, how to fast, or when to fast, or what sequence to fast, the six fasts of Shawal. But we normally tell our friends, and I personally practice this, tried it, well, now I suffer, but we try to practice this ourselves, is that after Ramadan ends, after Eid ends rather, Okay. One shawal, that Eid, ends, you should watch yourself and see. And as long as you can maintain and coast in your feelings of Ramadan, it's good. And then when you dip, you should fast. One fast of shawal. Use it as a weapon. And don't just do the fast. 
don't just fast, recreate the entire 24-hour experience and try to spend 24 hours the way you spent 24 hours, let's say, in the last 10 days of Ramadan. So you fast, but you also wake up, you pray tahajjud, you make du'a suhoor, you make long du'a iftar, you do some extra ibadah, and you can't pray tarawih and shawal, but after Isha you stay back in the masjid and pray, maybe four rakats, eight rakats, read some Quran, do something extra, try to recreate the experience. And if you do it like that, that extra fast of shawal, then inshallah bring you back to some level of feeling that you had in Ramadan, then again see how long you can last, and then again you will dip, and then again do another fast, and in this method, you will basically scatter and spread out these six fasts throughout Shabbat. And if you want, you could try to do them on Mondays and Thursdays to get an extra sunnah. Or on 13, 14, 15, ayam is the white, the nights when the moon is bright white to get another sunnah. And basically use these six fasts of Shabbat for training. So that you feel the feelings throughout Shabbat. And that might be a better way to actually understand the hadith of Nabi Akrim sallallahu which he said that the person who fasts the third fast of Ramadan and after them the sixth fast of Shawwal, it is as if they fasted the whole year. Alright? So what does that mean? It's not just about Ajr and Shawwal. If you try to do the sixth fast of Shawwal this way, what it means then, in the commentary, is a person who felt certain feelings for Allah Ta'ala in the 30 days and nights of Ramadan. And then they got themselves six times in Shawal through fasting to feel the same feelings. Inshallah, Allah will let them feel those feelings all year round. Hmm? It's a commentary. It's a possibility. The person who got Qurb drew themselves closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the 30 fasts of Ramadan. And then obviously, when Ramadan ended, they felt a little bit of a lag. And then they use the six fast of Shawal again to draw themselves closer to Allah Ta'ala again. And that's another hadith of Nabi Akareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that the Prophet said that Allah Ta'ala said, my servant draws near to me with nothing more beloved than the faraid. And then they continue to draw further near to me through the nawafil. So this can be an amali way we do that. Ya Allah, we draw near to you through the fard, fast of Ramadan. And now we want to continue to draw even more near to you through the nawafil by fasting the sixth fast of Shawal. So then it could be that, okay, this person sought my kurm and closeness in Ramadan. Then they tried to keep coming closer to me six times in Shawal. Okay, all year I will let them keep coming closer to me. Hmm? This is understanding different hadith through one another. Hmm? Potentialities, possibilities of meaning there. Hmm? So all of this is about talab. All of this is about talab. You can't retain the fast year-round. You can't pray taraweeh year-round. But it's about the feelings. Try to keep feeling those feelings that Allah Ta'ala blessed us to feel in Ramadan. Even if maybe with less intensity, even for shorter duration, but don't let go of them altogether. Then inshallah ta'ala, Ramadan will have been a very big boost, a very big boost to bring us closer to Allah subhanahu ta'ala. Thus, this is our message for you tonight. Hmm? Otherwise me, you know, it's a Friday night. Hmm? And you know, last time I came here, I didn't really, I didn't really notice much of the surroundings. But this time, when I was coming, this place looks like New York. 
Huh? Well, you've got the high-rise buildings and I felt like I'm in Queens or some you know, lower side of Manhattan. Hmm? So if you get me in a masjid in lower side of Manhattan, or that hasn't happened for years, if you get me a masjid in lower side of Manhattan on a Friday night, oh. oh. Hmm? But mashallah. Hmm? For us the night is young, but for you, 8.27 is late. Hmm? One fine fellow told me he goes to sleep at 9 p.m. Allah Akbar Kabira. So it's enough. Hmm? It's enough for one night. And we have to reflect on these things. And we have to make dua. And you know, really, you know, maybe I'll tell you this one last thing. Nabiya Kareem sallallahu said, dua is the weapon of the believer. I add to that. Commentary. Dua is the weapon of the believer when he has no other weapon. Dua is the weapon of the believer when he's fallen down. Dua is the weapon of the believer when he's fallen down, he can't get back up. Dua is the weapon of the believer when his nafs is made in sin. These are the times when dua is the weapon of the believer. Hmm? For people like us, mashallah, hmm? for the muftakeen, dua is the weapon that they wield at Tajjud time. For the Fajjad, dua will be the weapon they take out in Arafat. Me and you, dua is our weapon when we fall. And sometimes we should be a little bit tough on ourselves. A lot of us have fallen after Ramadan. Hmm? So we should make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lift us back up and to raise all the ummah back up. after you sent your mercy on us, you bestowed us with the month of Ramadan. We remained alive in the month of Ramadan in a state of Iman. We breathed the air in a state of Iman in Ramadan. It was only your karam and fazl, ya Allah. And then you gave us tawfiq to fast in Ramadan, to pray salah in Ramadan. It was all your karam and fazl, ya Allah. Alhamdulillah, all praises are to you, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we are still needy. We are more needy. We are always needy. Ya Rabbi Kareem, send your hidayah upon us. Send your rahmah and mercy upon us. Send your maghfir and forgiveness upon us. Send your kubuliya upon us. Send your rada, be happy with us. Be pleased with us. Ya Rabbi Kareem, protect us from falling back into sin. Protect us from returning to our ghafla. Protect us from going back to all the idle pastimes. Ya Rabbi Kareem, keep us engaged in Quran. Keep us attached in masjid. Keep us fond of nawafil. Give us tawfiq to make dua. Ya Rabbi Kareem, after bringing us even slightly close to you. Ya Rabbi, protect us from every becoming distant again. Ya Rabbi, grant us that qurb after which there is no bu'ud. Grant us that nearness after there is never distance again. Grant us that ta'luk, Ya Rabbi, that relation with you after which there is no separation, Ya Allah. Ya Rabbi, grant us that iman which has yaqeen after which there is no irtidad, there is no renouncing it. Ya Rabbi, grant us that love for you which becomes so strong that it never becomes dim again. Grant us that love for the sunnah of Nabi Akreem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam grant us that thirst ya Nabi Akreem for the sunnah of sallallahu alayhi that that thirst never becomes quenched again that that passion never becomes damp again ya Nabi Akreem send your rahmah on us karam on us fuzzle on us help us ya Nabi
Kareem. Guide us, Yahya Nabi Kareem. Remind us when we forget, Yahya Nabi Kareem. Forgive us when we sin, Yahya Nabi Kareem. Inspire us when we become lazy, Yahya Nabi Kareem. Connect us when we become disconnected, Yahya Nabi Kareem. Ya Allah, join us in the good company. Join us in the good gathering. Connect us to the right Nasiha. Grant us the sound ilm of deen. Give us tawfiq to do a'mal as-salih, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we make dua for the whole Ummah, Ya Rabb. So many members of the Ummah, Ya Rabb, are making irada to come for hajj, are beginning the planning to come for hajj. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you accept the hajj of all of the hajjaj who will come. Ya Rabbi Kareem, take them there with safety and security. Let them be there with safety and security. Keep their ahl ayah who they leave behind in safety and security. Return them to their ahl with safety and security. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, let their hajj and let our Ramadan, our Ramadan of the whole Ummah and the Hajj of those members of the Ummah be a means of the Maghfirah for the whole Ummah, Hidayah for the whole Ummah, Rahmah for the whole Ummah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we live in a time of fitna, a time of fasad, a time of fisk, a time of fujur. We can only imagine what the fitna of the Jal will be like. Ya Rabbi Kareem, send your mercy on us. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we seek refuge in you from every fitna. We seek refuge in you from every false ideology. We seek refuge in you from the fitna of our nafs, from the waswas of shaitan, from the self-delusion, from the self-deception. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us true ilm of deen. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us sincere amal on that ilm. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us istikama on that ikhlas. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us your kubuliyat and rida in all matters. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we make dua for our family, our friends, our loved ones, our dear ones. Ya Rabbi Kareem, send your hidayah to all of them, Ya Rabb. And Ya Rabb, make us true mu'mineen. Make us true to all those around us. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make the men in us true fathers, true husbands, true sons. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make the women who are listening true mothers, true wives, true daughters, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Let us be true to one another and true to you, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Let us be kind to one another and you be kind to us, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Let us forgive one another so that you forgive us, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Let us be merciful to one another so that you be merciful to us, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi Kareem, ask that you send your Rahman blessing on this community. We ask that you quickly enable them to make this into a masjid, Ya Rabbi, if not already done. We ask that you accept every atom of this area for your ibadah, for your zikr, for every single khidmat of deen, for the revival of deen, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi, ask that you make us from your muttaqeen musalleen, from your salihin musalleen, from mukhlisin musalleen. We ask that you put peace, love, and harmony between our hearts and the hearts of the family members and peace and harmony between all of the Ummah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi, ask that you grant all the du'as that are in anybody's heart. We ask that you accept all of our du'as on this night. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Rabbana takambal minna innaka anta sami'ul alim. وَتُوبُ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَى حَبِيبِهِ سَيِّدِنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ بِرَحْمَتِكَ يَا أَرْحَمَ الرَّاحِمِينَ آمِينَ